Good morning, church. As you're having a seat, tell me, how's everybody doing today? Hopefully a little bit better than that sounds. Everybody doing okay today? There we go. Happy to hear it. Well, hey, again, good morning, everybody. Uh, I am not Brandon. I think the skinny jeans gave that away. That one never gets old, y'all. It never gets old. Okay, maybe it does, but I enjoy saying it still. Hey, my name is Justin Abercrombie. I serve as a student pastor here at Connection, which means that I have the honor of teaching and shepherding our middle school, our high school, and our college students. And I'm just honored to be here with you this morning to be able to share the word with you. And I am excited about what the Lord has has put on my heart. Uh, I want to be honest with you from the very beginning is that this has been a very, very difficult week. I think many of you can probably say the same, right? Even going into this morning of just feeling like I had an empty tank, but as a friend and as a brother in Christ uh, reminded me of over me, reminding me that, hey, it's just my job to be obedient, and it's God's job to do what he promises that he will do, and I'm expectant of that. I know that Jesus has not called me, he's not called you, he's not called any of us to be successful, he's called us to be faithful, amen? And so I pray that I'm faithful today. I pray that you're faithful today as a result of the things that we are talking about uh, this morning. I want to jump right into it, but before I do, because I know I'm going to forget, if not, tonight we are having prayer and worship at 6 p.m., so please do come and join us. It's going to be an incredible time. I was reminded of something, uh, I can't remember who said it one time, but they said, if you really want to see how healthy your church is, don't measure Sunday morning attendance, measure prayer meeting attendance. I think there's a lot of truth in that, don't you agree? So please do come and join us for prayer and worship tonight at 6. So today, of course, we are back in the series, You Are Here, and this is just an exciting season in the life of our church because we know clearly where it is that God is calling us to as a church. In fact, I want to show you something that I think you're going to be very familiar with. We've got a picture I want to put up here for you. There it is. All right, by show of hands, anybody familiar with that graphic before? Yes, good, good. Does anybody understand that graphic? There we go. Okay, we're going to get some more hands, hopefully, in weeks uh, in the future. Please do not grow tired of looking at this. This is extremely important. Uh, In case you have no idea what this is, on the left-hand side, what we're looking at is models of churches, right? Models of churches. On the left-hand side is what we're going to call the pastoral model or as we so affectionately say around here at Connection, BS, right, which is the broken system. And the reason why this is a broken system, that even though the church's foundation is Jesus, everything above that rests on the staff. And that's not biblical when you have everything in your church that is rising and falling on the staff because you all are members of the body. If you said yes to surrendering your life to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, Jesus has given you a purpose in his body, in this new covenant community. And it's our job, rather, as leaders to pour into you and equip you. So what we see is a result of the staff being there, everything rising and falling on them. Ministry becomes functions and programs, and all of those just, they exist to benefit you without actually you getting involved. 
Now on the right-hand side, we see that this is the biblical model, that this is Ephesians 4, what God has told us the church is supposed to look like. Again, we have the foundation of Jesus, and right above that, we have the leaders, the grace gifts that God has given to his church, and those leaders aren't just staff. There are so many grace gifts in this church and in this very room right now. And it is these leaders, God-given calling, to pour into and equip people who then equip the rest of the body, and in the process, every part of the body does its work. This is a beautiful vision, don't you agree? And what an incredible season in the life of the church that we know that, hey, we might be here on the left-hand side, but we know that God is calling us to the right-hand side. Another thing that Brandon should have shown you last week is this other slide right here and looking closer at the foundation that is Jesus. That even though in this broken system, yes, it's broken, Jesus always has been is and always will be the foundation of his church. Amen? This is why you and I cannot lose heart. We can't lose heart about anything in the church, whether it be some kind of major issue or even just a minor issue with a brother or sister, right, is that we know this, is that Jesus Christ is still in control of his church. Amen? He's not abandoning it, therefore we can't either. But looking closer at this foundation that is Jesus, there are some cracks that appear in it because there is no clear call to follow Jesus. There is no clear call to the body of Christ, the church. There is no clear call to Jesus's mission. And so looking closer at the clear call to a follower of Jesus, even though to so many people, excuse me, this might seem elementary, we need to return and we need to look back at some of the questions that you'll see on the far left-hand side. Number one, the question that Brandon answered last week, who is Jesus really? And then this morning, looking at what am I seeking, or another way to phrase that, why would I follow Jesus? And that's where we land today. And so, body, I'm going to ask you, as uncomfortable as it might be, okay, I'm going to ask you to actually help me out. And I want to hear from you and hear your responses as to why do you follow Jesus? I want to make something abundantly clear before I get down here and start walking around, all right? Please do not pass out, okay? I am not going to put a microphone in your face if you do not want me to, okay? I want you to volunteer and be encouraged. The pressure is off. I'm not looking for you to perfectly articulate why you follow Jesus, but I trust that Jesus has given you, all of you, really, something this morning to share and lift up this body and encourage us all. This is why we follow Jesus. So, please, don't pass out, okay? All right? By show of hands, I'd love to travel around. Does anybody have an answer as to why do you follow Jesus? There we go. Somebody to break the ice, all right? There ought to be 100 hands after this, right? Uh, Jesus wants you to help him out because his plan is you help out other people, and you might not see what they do for you, like when a kid closes their eyes and they don't see their parent. They think that they're gone, but they're really there. They just don't see them. And if you do something for someone else, you might not see what they go do, 
but they're doing something, and eventually, like, that gets back to you somehow, and you get helped out by that, by helping them out. But you don't need to worry about it and, like, get all scared and freaked out. Like, you're not, like, what you did is lost and gone, and you did it for no reason. But it eventually comes back to you. And that's why we, we follow Jesus, because he's like, hey, it works. It, it'll be okay. Simple to the point, I follow Jesus because following Jesus works, right? And I love that you said that Jesus is working in you, that he's moving through you, right, in these ways that you don't understand at the moment. And then you can look back and see, look at what Jesus did. Thank you so much. All right, the ice is broken. Anybody? Got to look over here. All right, I'm coming. God's plan is always better than mine, even when I think mine is better. Amen. I can't tell you how many times I've been hit with that realization, uh, especially allotted marriage, right? Thinking my way is better, and then I'm quickly reminded, no, it's not. Even more so with the Lord, right? Are, are prone. We are prone to follow and, and, and chart our own course. But following Jesus is actually surrendering to the idea and the truth. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Anybody else? Come on. Y'all ain't shy. All right. Because he's the only way to the Father. Amen. He is the only way. Following him, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Only way to the Father. All right, we'll send it back down your way. Um, because we, as parents and as this generation, have a legacy to leave for future generations. And to add on to what she said, Jesus' way is much better than ours in the way this world is working. So our lives need to reflect Jesus. All right. Thank you so much for sharing, and, and thank all of you. We'll take one more. By following Jesus, I'm never alone. Never alone. We know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you so much for sharing. Again, thank you, everybody, for sharing. Now, again, as I head back up here, everybody can take a collective sigh of relief, all right, that I'm not going to come around to you. But here is what I'm going to ask you to do, right, is that I hope and pray that this has actually led you to a little bit of, of discomfort, of holy discomfort. And right here at the beginning, and even just going back to the things that have been said this morning in worship, I believe that Jesus is calling his people to surrender today, to surrender areas of our life where we're truly not following him, and perhaps even for some of us to surrender our life for the first time and say, Jesus, I am all in. So I pray that the things that you've heard from your fellow body members, your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are in Christ, is that it would lead you to a place where you begin to ask yourself, why do I truly follow Jesus. Why do I truly follow Jesus? Today we're going to be in the Gospel of John. I want to encourage you to, if you have your Bibles with you, to please open up 
and, and go to John chapter 1. The scripture will not be on the screen, so hopefully you follow along. To those of you who are audio learners, uh, we are not trying to uh, discriminate against you, okay? All right, you are free to just look up here, and especially now that I do this, right? I've learned that with for Brandon, I think we all have, that this chair, this stool has a calming effect for Brandon. It does for me, and it does for you as well. Nine o'clock was just like staring up here. I'm like, what you looking at, right? But let's dig in together to John chapter one. This week, the Lord has been just moving in my life. Again, a lot of discomfort even on myself as I begin to ask this question of Justin, why do you, why do I follow Jesus? And I have the honor of meeting with uh, several young men, and it just so happens that we're all walking through the Gospel of John. I want to share with you actually an answer that I received from one of these young men this week when I asked him, why do you follow Jesus? And he shared with me that he actually began following Jesus in pursuit of a happy life. He started following Jesus for, for happiness, for joy. And I thought a moment, and I looked at him, and I said, did you find it? And he thought for a moment more, and then he looked up at me with the biggest smile, just grinning from ear to ear, and he says, I found more. I found life. Amen? I pray that we would be able to say the same. Regardless of what your answer is, why do I follow Jesus? We can agree that following him results in receiving him, and he is life. Amen? We're going to be in John 1 today. Another reason this is so important to me is I don't know if anybody is familiar with this gentleman. His name is Dr. Ravi Zacharias. Anybody that ring a bell for some people? He is a Christian apologist, which means that he is a defender of the faith. And he travels from college campus to college campus all across the country. And he answers people's questions about faith. And there is one time, I can't remember, I can't recall which college campus he was at. But a student stood up and they said, Dr. Zacharias, I have listened to you in podcasts. I have read your books. I have heard you answer countless questions in these types of forums. He says, but I have a different question. This Jesus that you know and you speak of, how do I get to know him? How do I experience him? And Dr. Zacharias responded this way. Read the Gospel of John three times without prejudice, and watch God do a miracle in your life. Watch, read, excuse me, read the Gospel of John three times without prejudice, and watch God do a miracle in your life. I believe that is no coincidence. John shows us who Jesus is. So in our time together as a church today, I want us to come together looking at God's word and establish four truths. And these are not the only truths of why we should follow Jesus, but at least four truths today of why we should indeed follow Jesus. Before we read, church, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you already for what you are doing in this place. God, calling your people to a place of repentance and surrender. God, I know that you're stirring my heart right now. Lord, I want to follow you wholeheartedly. And God, I pray that that is our entire church's heart cry today. That in asking this question, this deep evaluation of why do I follow Jesus, God, that, that we would come and, and, and realize, God, that you are the only sure and firm foundation in this world. 
and that we would walk away here today confidently, Jesus, knowing who you are and why we, all of us, individually, individually excuse me, and corporately follow you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just um, fix our eyes on you in this time. We thank you for your word, and I know that you want to speak to us. God, I pray that we are open ears and open eyes to the truth of who you are this morning. God, we love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Now, I'm going to jump right into John chapter 1, and I'll go ahead and let you know that we're going to be walking through a lot of scripture, but I encourage you, please do walk through this indeed with me. Uh, beginning there in John chapter 1, verse 1, answering this question, why should we follow Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? And the Apostle John writes this in verse 1. In the beginning, the Word was the Word, excuse me, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And consider just the sheer beauty. I mean, I think the fact that you and I, at least for myself, I can't even comprehend truly what John is writing here just speaks to the significance of this grace, this fullness of God that we have in Jesus, the Word, who was with God, the Father, in the beginning, and it indeed was and is God. Jesus is the Word. Listen in verse 4, John writes this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Did you hear what John said? He says this life that is in Jesus and that is Jesus is the light of men, which means that Jesus and who he is is intended for you and I. Amen? That this life that he gives is in itself a grace gift to us. And consider that this great God, the Word, King Jesus, looked down on us in our sinful state and realized that we have no life apart from him, and you and I can do absolutely nothing to receive it. And how did Jesus respond? He came to us. Jesus came to us. The first reason that John 1 tells us why we should follow Jesus is that Jesus came to us. Amen? Read along with me. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. His own people did not receive him. Consider the significance of what John is saying here. Again, remember, King Jesus, the Word, God, the fullness of God, looked at the world, the world that he created, mind you, and realized that this world, you and I would reject him, and still he came. Amen? Still he came. This is the truth of the gospel. 
that there was nothing that we did to even cry out to God, of God, I need you, because our hearts are hardwired to say, God, I don't need you. But Jesus looked at that, and he came to us in spite of us. Amen? Reminds me of the simple verse, John 3, 16, for God so, finish it, loved the world. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that he came to his people knowing that you and I would reject him. In verse 12, but to all who did not receive him, excuse me, but who all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And in that verse, there is one word in particular that stands out to me, and it is the simple word of gave. Gave. Have you ever realized that looking back at Jesus' earthly ministry, the time that we had with him on earth, that Jesus never once asked for anything? of us. He never asked for anything of us. He was entitled to everything, and he never asked of anything. Instead, Jesus gave everything. You see, this is what compels you and I to give, even our lives to the Lord. That's what it truly means to follow the Lord. Another word is discipleship, right? This is what compels us to become disciples of Jesus, the fact that Jesus gave everything for us. And this giving that Jesus did, it brought us, it says, into a new family. That for anyone who would believe in Jesus, that we have become children of God, is what John writes. I want you to consider again, children of God is what you and I are if we are in Christ. Amen? Let's try that again. Amen? There we go. We're getting better, church. We're getting better. We've become children of God. That means that we are no longer enemies. You see, Romans tells us that even when we were enemies, Christ died for us. But we are now children of God. We are no longer enemies, and we are not merely friends. We are family with the Father because of what Jesus has done. We are family. And what that means is thinking about the beauty of a child being adopted. You and I have been adopted, brought into a new family, and not even because you wanted to be adopted. God adopted us and brought us into his family. We are new, a new identity, and new citizens, new people completely because of what Jesus has done. He gave. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Consider again this word, King Jesus. He didn't just teach us, speak to us, or lead us from afar. What did Jesus do? He came to us, and he took on flesh. He took on human flesh like you and I. Never once for a moment think that Jesus doesn't understand what you're going through. Jesus understands perfectly what you and I go through. We will never truly understand what he went through for us. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us. You see, what this tells me is that Jesus is not only able to sympathize with our weaknesses, he was able to empathize with our weaknesses. He didn't just feel it, he felt it physically. He came to us to experience what we walked through and he deserved none of it, but he took it on fully. 
in verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And I love that word fullness. What John has in mind when he says fullness is that Jesus is the very fullness of God. We know who God is by looking at Jesus. He is fully God. And it's also encouraging to me because I don't know about you, but I feel rather empty oftentimes. But remember that Jesus gives his fullness. So be encouraged, empty people. Jesus will never run out of his fullness for you. And what is this fullness? It says that we have received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure am thankful that Jesus doesn't just give me just enough grace. You see, grace upon grace is not grace that says, you meet me halfway, and then I'll do the rest. No, grace upon grace says, I will cover it all the way. The proof is that the word became flesh, right? Such is the truth of the gospel. Every other world religion says that you must do something to earn your way to God. The truth of the gospel is that God came to you. God came to you. I've been thinking about grace upon grace, and what does grace upon grace look like? Well, I can tell you that it doesn't run out, and I see this, that it's in abundance in the scriptures. You see, grace upon grace looks like so many fish, too many fish for men to possibly make a living on. More than enough fish for men to make a living on. Think of when Jesus calls Peter. And Peter's about ready to call it a day. And what does Jesus say? Oh, I know you haven't caught anything. Cast your net to the other side of the boat. And what does Jesus give Peter? A boat full of fish. That's what he gives him. Too many, almost so much that the boat begins to capsize. You see, grace upon grace is more than enough fish for men to make a living. Grace upon grace is more than enough wine. Too much wine for a wedding feast to drink. Think back to John chapter 2. Jesus' very first sign, John tells us, is that he turns water into wine. Six ceremonial jars filled with water that are holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. That means Jesus gives 150 gallons, about in that area, of the best wine. Why in the world does he give that much wine? Those people can't possibly drink it because Jesus always gives grace upon grace. Grace upon grace is abundance. It is more than you and I deserve, and it is too good to be true, but it is. That's what grace upon grace is. Grace upon grace is enough fish and bread to feed a multitude and then still have leftovers. You think of that? With these five loaves and two fish, Jesus feeds 5,000. Why? And still leaves leftovers? Because grace upon grace is abundance. This is the grace that Jesus gives. Last but not least, grace upon grace looks like a wayward son returning home who told his father that I want what you can give me, but I don't want you. Maybe you find yourself in that same place. But what does that father do? He restores that son. The son comes back thinking 
If only my father will hire me as a hired hand, a servant, a slave. And what does the father do? He brings him back into the family, fine clothing, feast, and all. That's what grace upon grace looks like. Grace upon grace never runs out. And now, because we have seen him, because he came to us, we won't either. Amen? We won't either. I got to hurry it up here, I know. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Consider the simple truth that John tells us that you and I do not have to wonder what God is like. We can have our questions answered by looking at Jesus. And by looking at Jesus, this is what Jesus tells us about God. Contrary to popular belief, contrary to something you might have heard from somebody or even from the enemy before in your life, God is not out to get you. By looking at Jesus, we realize that God is out to get to us. He's not out to get us. He's out to get to us. And he did because he came to us. This is Jesus. The next passage of scripture in John 1 that we continue to learn a little bit more about John the Baptist's story and his purpose. And this is a man who understood his purpose in this world. And it was not to receive glory, but rather to give glory to Jesus who was coming. He says, I am simply a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. And I want you to pick back up with me in John chapter 1 verse 29. So the first reason, why should we follow Jesus? Because he came to us. The second reason, you'll see in a moment. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold. First time he sees Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What in the world is giving John this insight? Who's giving him this insight into Jesus' true identity? Well, the easy answer, the Sunday school answer, and the correct one is, is the Holy Spirit, right? The second reason is because of what's going to happen or what has already happened that we're going to read about in a moment. But the third, I believe, is even just looking at John's background. You see, the Gospel of Luke tells us that John's father was a priest named Zechariah. And you see, in the priest, day after day after day, they would slaughter lambs, a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people. Think about how many times and how familiar John is with this process of bloodshed, 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 sin never atoned for. But he looks at Jesus and he says, atonement is coming. Behold, the one who will take away the sins of the world. Why is this possible? Why does this make sense? Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. And, and we don't know who the author of Hebrews is, but they write this. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering... He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Do you understand what has happened? 
Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. Because he is the perfect sacrifice, it means that sins paid at one moment, once and for all, for us. For us. The second reason why we should follow Jesus, because Jesus not only came to us, Jesus came for us. Amen? Jesus came for us. And consider the differences, right, between John and between you and I today. That John is looking forward in time to the day when Jesus would do his work, would finish his work, would remove the sins of the world by faith. John was looking forward and cried out, Behold, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You and I look back and we thank Jesus for what he has done, his finished work. And we cry out, Behold, the Lamb of God, King Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus came for us. Read along with me in this same passage here in verse 30. John says, this is he, speaking of Jesus, of whom I said, after me comes a man, excuse me, I just lost my place, who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, John says, and have borne witness that this Jesus is the Son of God. This is what John says. So we see that John's confirmation, the evidence that he has to fall back on that Jesus is indeed who he says he is, is Jesus's baptism. It's his baptism. But I don't know about you, but the first thing that I think of whenever I hear that Jesus was baptized is why? Why does Jesus need to be baptized? You see, baptism, so many of us here, we've been baptized into the body, right? This is an outward expression of what Jesus has done for us in the, on the inside, right? Baptism is a sign that I am washing my sins away. Jesus, you are washing my sins away. I repent. I turn from those and I turn to you. But if Jesus is the spotless and perfect lamb, why in the world does he need to be baptized? The answer is this. Jesus is beginning what I might call a ministry of substitution. A ministry of substitution. Jesus has no need of baptism, but you and I certainly do. And Jesus begins there at his baptism saying, I will take their place. This is a work that he will complete on the cross. The death that we died, Jesus, in our place. The truth of the gospel, amen? This gospel, the great exchange, the scandal of grace, though it makes no sense, though it sounds too good to be true, yet it is. The truth of the gospel, the great exchange, is that everything I am, everything that we are in exchange for everything that Jesus is. Amen? We don't deserve that grace upon grace. The great exchange. My sin in exchange for his righteousness. I don't deserve that grace upon grace. This is the truth of the gospel. Jesus, even in his baptism, is looking forward to the cross. And it is there that our sins are paid, forgiven. 
forgiven. Jesus came for us. Jesus came for us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21, a very familiar verse, I believe. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For whose sake? For ours. Jesus came to us. Jesus came for us. And I know I have to hurry. Y'all ready? You gonna hurry with me? Or can we just stay here all day? Y'all cool with that? All right. All right. Uh, Ryan, you're going to be there a while. Thank you. All right, verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. John's witness again, the Lamb of God, Jesus. And it says, The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Some translations say Jesus turned around and he said, what do you want? Now that sounds intrusive. It is. What Jesus is asking them is, what do you really want in this life? What are you really looking for? And you see, I might be saying this, but Jesus is the one asking even today, what are you seeking? As we answer this question, why would I follow Jesus? We must be ready and prepared to answer the question to Jesus, what are you seeking? And I pray that we would respond just as these disciples did. They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? That sounds like a very just simple of where are you living at? No, 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 this is so much deeper. They are saying, Jesus, where are you dwelling? Where are you dwelling? And in essence, responding to Jesus' offer with this, yes, you are everything that we have been looking for, and we want to abide with you. Sound familiar, that word? John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And they respond, Jesus, wherever you are, we want to be there too. I pray that that would be our heart cry as well. That as we answer this question, why am I following Jesus, that our response would be because there is no life apart from him. And I do not want to be where he is not. And wherever he is, that's where I always want to be. Amen? But listen to Jesus' invitation. Jesus not only initiates a relationship with us, he carries it all the way. And he said to them, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Do you see the same is true for us today? Why follow Jesus? Third reason, because Jesus invites us. Jesus invites us to follow him. He brings us in by his grace, grace upon grace. And he says, come and you will see and you will find everything that you have been looking for. Though we must take up a cross in following Jesus, Though we must take up a cross, let us never forget, church, that Jesus bore ours first. Amen? Jesus bore ours first, and it is only at looking at Jesus, never in the Christian life, will you have to figure it out on your own. The truth of the Christian life, the encouragement, I believe, in three words, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, and you will find everything that you need in him. He is the goal. Listen to what 
Luke writes in chapter 9. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? That's Luke 9, 23 through 25. Come and you will see, Jesus says, you must lose yourself, but we will find him. He is the goal. Did you see in that verse that after we pick up the cross, what's the immediate goal, the satisfaction? Following him. Following him is the goal of the Christian life. Being where he is, abiding with him. We follow Jesus because he came to us, he came for us, and he invites us to follow him. Finally, in verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. Consider everything that has gone on in Andrew's life, being raised a Jew, right? These years of waiting and waiting and hoping and hoping and praying and praying for God's chosen one to come. And he meets a man named Jesus down by the River Jordan. And he goes to his brother and he says, we found the one. We found the one we've been looking for. Church, I pray that our heart would be the same. I follow Jesus because I found the one who pursued me first. I found the one that I've been looking for. I found the one that I've been searching for. I found the one in whom I will have everything that I need. We have found the Messiah, he tells his brother. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Kepha, which means Peter. You shall be called Peter. Jesus gives Peter a new name. His name was Simon, and Jesus gives him a name that now literally means rock. And Jesus tells him later, even looking at Matthew 16, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. But why in the world does this make sense? Because if you know anything about Peter's life, you know that Peter is anything but a rock. He is shifting sand, always. Always shifting sand. But here is what Jesus is doing. Jesus not only looks at us as we are, he sees us as we will be. Because Jesus, fourth and finally, why should we follow Jesus? Jesus transforms us. Jesus transforms us. Listen to what Peter himself says in John 6, and this is where we'll close today. After this, many of the disciples turned back and they no longer walked with him. This is after Jesus has told them to follow me. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I pray this is our heart cry as well, even the rock. We see him as shifting sand. Jesus never sees us as we are. Jesus sees us as we will be, and therefore we can respond the same way. Why would I follow Jesus? Because where else would I go? Where else can I give what Jesus gives me? Where else can I get Jesus himself? There was a young lady in the back who a moment ago, why do I follow Jesus? She answered, because he is the way to the Father. 
Yes and amen. He is the only way to the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is why we follow Jesus. This is why we follow Jesus. And forgive me because I do not have any nice and tidy way to close up this sermon, but I believe that that's on purpose. Because instead of me trying to say the right things now in this time, I believe that Jesus is calling us to a place where we will just evaluate, that we would evaluate in light of this truth in the word, in in light of the truth, the things that you've been thinking of. Whatever first comes to your mind when I ask you that question, why do you follow Jesus? Do you shore that up in your mind? And perhaps for some of you, you say and recognize now, I don't follow Jesus but I want to surrender my life to him today. And if that day is today, the day of salvation for you, where you say, I see it. I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is, excuse me. And I want to give him my life because he demands it. And in light of what he has given, he deserves it. He deserves it. If there is anyone here who says today, I surrender my life to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life, would you please just raise your hand in the air during this time? Amen. 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 Congratulations. Brother, we want to pray with you. I see that less is coming here. We just want to pray with you and celebrate what Jesus has done. Why should we follow him? Because Jesus is faithful to still transform us today. As we go, I want to continue to encourage you to think of this question and answer this question, why do I follow Jesus? Why do I follow Jesus? I love that Jesus' response to us, plain and simple, come and you will see. Amen? Church, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. And God, I pray that as we leave this place, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would show us the truth of who you are once again, Lord, so that we can answer this question. Lord, why do we follow you? Jesus, I pray that uh, although our, our questions might be different because, Jesus, you are individual to each one of us, you are personal, that, God, we together would say because you are life, you are God, because you have come to us, you have come for us, you invite us to follow you, and you transform us. God, I pray that this would be our heart's cry. Jesus, I pray that not only in this time, but also in this uh, time of evaluation that, that, we, uh, that we go into now as we leave, Lord, that you would be glorified in it. God, I pray that you have been glorified in this time, and God, we worship you and we glorify you for the heart change, the transformation that we've even seen right here in our midst. We thank you for that gentleman who's in the prayer room right now. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to him and set him off on your path. Lord, to walk in your way. It is the only way. And God, you are the way and the truth and the life. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Church, have an incredible day. Hopefully you'll come and join us tonight for prayer and worship. And if not, have a